Pastor Ray Bentley on the drama Jesus' disciples witnessed firsthand. They have seen his power where he talks and nature obeys immediately. Storms roll back, wind recedes, leprosy dissolves, blind eyes are created to see, the dead are raised. But now his hour has come and the situation would change dramatically. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When you're on top of the world, there's a great view, but every direction is down. The disciples must have felt on top of the world working alongside Jesus and seeing miracles firsthand. But their world is about to be rocked and Jesus prepares them and us for what to expect as Christ followers. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 24 through 38. We are living in a wonderful, exciting time. And uh, one of the things that, that the Lord wants us to know is that we, do not, we are not in competition with one another. Jesus is gonna teach us tonight about the way to think like the kingdom, not to have a worldly mindset. And he's gonna make a very clear contrast, as we'll talk about. Um, the world is about competition. And the world is about those who you know, make it, those who don't make it. The kingdom of heaven is about completion. It is about complementing. The glory of heaven is that uh, you do not have to be jealous of anybody else or of anybody else's gifts or their talents or their abilities or their role or their place. Not only not in heaven, but we might as well begin practicing now because the spirit of the living God is inside of us. And God, our Father, sometimes takes tremendous pleasure and joy in small things, little things. Uh, even what may appear to be small responsibilities, loyally, joyfully, faithfully lived out, bring him sometimes even greater joy than those who supposedly have uh, wider responsibilities. So I want you to look with me beginning in verse 24, because here we are on the, the night, Passover night, the disciples are arguing about greatness. Now, of course, this would never happen among us, right? We never would worry about our place. You never worry about competition. And quite honestly, nobody here would ever fall into the trap of comparing yourself to anybody else. Am I right on that? Of course. Now, verse 24, it says, now there was also a dispute among them, the disciples, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. 
On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is not uh, he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, verses 31 through 34. Now, this gets into a strange little situation because uh, this must have been most interesting, what now Jesus has to direct toward Peter immediately following a dispute over who is the greatest. Look at this, verse 31. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, exclamation point, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He wants to put the the, the scythe to you and cut you down. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you even know me. Wow. Boy, that must have put a a damper on the whole evening. After arguing about, I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to sit on his right hand. No, I'm going to sit on his right hand. Now, all of a sudden, what, what an amazing turn of events. We can only imagine how the disciples felt uh, now that they hear that not only will one of them uh, betray Jesus, but it will be their spokesman and their leader who will publicly deny that he even knows the Lord Jesus Christ. That must have sent a shock and tear through the rest of all the the disciples because if Peter, the strong man, the boldest, the lion of of the disciples, if he's going to fail, where is that gonna leave you and me? We should never be self-confident, but we can be confident in the Lord. You know what, you're gonna go through uh, difficult times. You may fail the Lord, in essence, with your life, deny him. You may, in an area of strength, one day find out that you thought I would never, in a million years, this would never be part of my life. Because I, it's, it's not who I am, it's not my nature, I don't like it, and I would never, I would, and then the next thing you know, there you are. And sometimes, uh, you know, the, the way that, um, it's one thing that, that you know, Satan is always accusing us and he's condemning us. But when you pile on your own self, the guilt, the shame, the humiliation, and the condemnation that goes along with that, it can, it can just sink you into the mud and into the mire. And I believe that the Lord allowed Peter to be 
you know, this, this leading, bold example because he wanted, if, if Peter had been the guy that is standing there like a, you know, movie star, Hollywood, everything was perfect, he never failed and he was willing to go and die for the Lord and he just was courageous from the beginning and he never had any weaknesses, we would all love and admire him as a painting, an icon, uh, you know, an example, but we would also say, but how could I ever live up to that? And so we would live down here. I believe that the Lord gave a a flesh and blood with holes, flaws, failures, weaknesses, denials, guy, that we would go, wow. I wonder if the Lord could still use a guy like me. Absolutely. He loves, he, he forgives, he is gracious. That's the heart of our Savior. It's also the heart of the Father. One of the questions as you read through daily your devotions is, when you read stories like this and you see something revealed of the, of the character of God, say, now I am beginning to understand the heart of the Father. More importantly than the facts and the details and even the background and the history and you can you know, list all the principles and truths and points. All of that is good. But all of that, what wraps it all together and makes it even more beautiful and powerful and spiritual is when with all of that, you begin to develop a sense of the character and the heart of our Father. And when you have that, then No matter what happens, you go, yeah, but you don't, if you knew my dad, it's gonna be okay. If you knew my father, I know how it looks like everything is against me and I'm abandoned. I know that I have failed miserably, but I know my father. And I know he has not given up on me. He loves me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He has a purpose, he has a plan. He will work all things together for good. And it's that love. Paul said, it's the love of Christ that constrains me, that burns, that comp- it wasn't visions and goals and maps of how many churches I can start in Europe. That wasn't the mission even, or the accomplishing of bringing the gospel to the whole world. That isn't what was the driving force in the life of Paul. It was the love of Jesus that burned within him, that compelled him. I've got to go tell these people because of the love of Jesus, if they only knew the, if only Nero, if I could win Nero to the love of Jesus, I get to preach before him. And if it's the last act before they cut my head off, I will with everything within me tell Nero of the love and the heart of my father and the savior that he sent through Jesus Christ. There is a record that when Paul preached before Nero, that he opened up his soul and his heart and he poured out not only the plan of salvation, but the heart of the Father and the love of God. And that Nero had to so harden his heart not to respond to the message of the love through the gospel preached to him by the apostle Paul that he literally, because of his hardening of his heart, there was something in him that wanted to respond but he refused and and he rejected and he hardened his heart and he literally lost his mind because he had had such a loving, gracious, 
demonstration and, and, and the life of a man who had been touched by the love of God. He literally went crazy. That's what Jesus is sharing here as he shares about, look guys, it's about who is the greatest servant. Look, Peter, it's about uh, not having confidence in yourself, but having confidence in the Lord. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages reach so many each day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the world. I tuned in from England and was able to witness Daniel Bentley's anointing as pastor. What a legacy Pastor Ray left. Well done in raising up a son such as this. Pastor Daniel is continuing the work the Lord gave Ray decades ago. We watched Daniel preach following the anointing, and there is no doubt whatsoever the Lord's hand is on him. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio. If you'd like to write a message, send an email to ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now verses 35 through 38, and we'll close with this. Now this is, the, this is very interesting, very, very interesting and often misunderstood. And I would say that I, I'm not so sure that I understood it in my early days, but I have a different perspective of it now. One of the beautiful things about growing older with the Lord, you learn a few things along the way. You see things differently. Verse 35, and then he said to them, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? And so they said, nothing, no. Then he said to them, but now, he who has a money bag, let him take it. Likewise, you got a knapsack? He who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. Prophecy is about to be fulfilled, guys. And he was numbered with the transgressors, quoting Isaiah, for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Oh, Lord, look, here are two swords. And Jesus said to them, it is enough. And we'll stop there for just a moment before going into the prayer in the garden. What's going on here? What does Jesus mean? All right, guys, confrontation's coming. Here they come. Judas is going to meet us early in the morning. The soldiers are going to come, buy some swords, get ready for the battle. Now, may I say, obviously... Jesus' counsel here was misunderstood by the disciples. And a big part of it is because they took him quite literally. Let me share with you what I believe, you know, interpreting this, what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's saying, guys, tonight the hour has come. You know how I've been talking to you for three and a half years about the hour? And what that hour means and what that hour is going to do to me? The prophecy of Isaiah? That hour has come. We are moving into an entirely new situation. They're gonna arrest me tonight. If they arrest me, one day they will arrest you. And they're gonna treat me by tomorrow like a common criminal and I'll be executed. If they treat me, your master and teacher, like a criminal, they will surely treat you like one. So watch out, be prepared, everything is changing tonight. 
Now, during the last three and a half years of ministry, the disciples, they don't understand this transition that is taking place on this night. They have been with Jesus, the miracle worker, for three and a half years. They have seen his power where he talks and nature obeys immediately. Storms roll back, waves are calm, wind recedes, uh, fish come up with gold coins in their mouths, leprosy dissolves, blind eyes are created to see, ears that are deaf can now hear, the lame can walk, the dead are raised. And these very same disciples have been under the anointing of this not only miracle worker prophet, but he's popular among the people. In fact, Jesus has been so popular for three and a half years that even though he has a small group of enemies against him, they can't touch him because he's so powerful. And these disciples have been under the anointing and the authority, the special authority of Jesus. They have been used to being treated with respect by this traveling rabbi who tells stories like no man has ever taught before. For Jesus was a popular rabbi and even those who were opposed to him couldn't really do anything. But now his hour has come and the situation would change dramatically. If I can make the comparison to you and I, we are aliens for a while in enemy territory, so to speak, and therefore we need wisdom, we need discernment, we need common sense that would be anointed by God's word as we serve the Lord here upon the earth until he comes. When Jesus said, um, you know, they came to him and said, oh, hey, here's two swords, I think Jesus must have been disheartened. And his response, that is enough, would be like us saying today, you know, hey, look, we got two swords. He's like, oh, whatever, and walking on. That's what he meant by that. I wasn't talking about, are you kidding me? Do you realize who's coming and how many are coming? Two swords? You think that's what I was talking about when I said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and who brought him bread? You know, they, you didn't get it then, you're not getting it. I'm not talking about physical swords. You think I need to be protected? 12 legions of angels would come if my father wanted that. I am going to lay my life down as a sacrifice. They couldn't even touch me if I wasn't giving and laying my life down. No, I'm not talking about physical swords. I'm talking about spiritual swords because it's the hour of the enemy. He has the power. He has the authority. He's going to come down on first me and then upon you. The kingdom of God does not come, nor is it advanced by the means of men's swords, but rather by the power of another sword that is mightier, sharper than any human two-edged sword. And interestingly enough, though it is true that Jesus comes with the armies of heaven in Revelation 19, the only weapon mentioned is when Jesus opens his mouth and a sharp sword pierces, it's his word, and it's over. There's no swashbuckling three-hour mega movie battle. It's over as soon as he opens his mouth. The Antichrist is done, finished, because of the power of the word. Note, the apostle Paul knew how to use, quote, the sword of human government. When he said, I appeal, I am a citizen of Rome. You can't touch me. They were going to tear him limb from limb in, in the Jewish quarter 
And there's these Roman soldiers standing around there in Israel that are all the way from Italy and, and they're ready to tear him apart. And Paul screams out, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't touch me. Boom, Roman soldiers come, there's metal clanging and big burly Roman guys start throwing Jews off and saying, leave him alone, he's a Roman citizen. Now you're touching the entire Roman empire. Paul just used a sword to protect his own life, not because he wasn't gonna be a martyr, he knew that was already coming. He wanted to protect his life so that now he could prolong and promote the gospel, not only from Jerusalem, but he was gonna go preach before the Caesar Nero that was the head of the whole Roman Empire. And at the same time, Rome was gonna pay for his mission travel from Jerusalem to Rome. Now that's using your brains and the sword even of human government to both protect and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Read with me Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 and 13. Let's read it out loud, shall we? For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We're also living in a very different hour. Know the word, meditate on the word, bury the word of God in your heart. It may literally, physically save your life one day that you can say it is written. You may be given supernatural divine wisdom or insight where you can say, but I am a citizen of the United States of America. You can't touch me. And you use the wisdom of God. Now the Bible does say that in the last days a strong delusion is going to come. Now I believe in general we're in the last days. We don't know the day or the hour, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you're not ignorant, I think that we're in it. I want you to read this last scripture with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let's read this out loud. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is that strong delusion? Well, in a word, the strong delusion is to not believe in the word of God. It brings the gospel and brings Jesus and brings heaven and forgiveness, sanctification, grace, mercy, peace, love, hope, joy, and truth. Anything that diverts away from this book is a grand delusion, amen? Don't fall for it, don't go for it. A big part of God's word is coming to pass and one of the biggest parts of God's plan right now has to do with Israel and even the Jewish people. And there are many that are going, you know, turning away from Israel or blaming Israel and blaming the Jews and before you know it, right behind that is all those Christians whose very roots go back to that. A strong delusion. Be watching, be careful. We need to, you know, let God be God. Let his word be his word. Let his covenants be his covenants. And let him fulfill his promises. Never stand on the other side of what God has said. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with strong encouragement today from our study tour in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Glorious Wisdom. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.